Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Hey, Restoration Church, good to see you this morning. Good to be with you. Uh, Pastor Johnny here. We're going to continue in our series here uh, that we started last week on the Gospel of Mark. Uh, So please turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we're going to be reading from verses 9 through 11. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And uh, as you're getting there, getting there in your Bibles or your phones or whatever you like, uh, I just want to just give you a context of what we talked about last week, give you the context of today's passage. Uh, So last week we talked about uh, John the Baptist showing up right on the scene, um, and he is preaching this baptism uh, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, And so people are coming out to be baptized by him, confessing their sin, uh, turning away from their sin, uh, and being baptized by John. And uh, a lot of people are coming out to him out in the wilderness, out in the uh, Jordan River. Um, And so at this point, as people are coming out, uh, we're going to see that as John is baptizing people, uh, guess who shows up on the scene? Uh, it's Jesus. Jesus comes towards John to be baptized. And up to this point, uh, Jesus has been just a regular person up in Nazareth. He's a carpenter. He's been kind of out of the, the public. Uh, he's He's been just a normal guy. Uh, and he's about to make his first really ministry uh, appearance. And he's really going to begin his ministry. And he begins it with his baptism uh, by John the Baptist. So if you uh, have your Bibles, which I encourage you to do, we're going to be reading quite a bit of scripture today uh, and really digging in. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to take some notes as well. But this is what it says. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Uh, Let's pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, your word. We thank you for speaking to us, um, not leaving us in the dark, but speaking to us powerfully and clearly through your word. God, I pray that today uh, you would work in our hearts through this passage uh, to really uh, let it sink into our hearts and transform our hearts to become more like you. Uh, I I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and our minds and our lives. Uh, God, that for the next few minutes, we could just focus completely on you, Jesus, and on your word. We give you our attention. Uh, We give you our heart and our mind for you to work in. Uh, And God, uh, really challenge us, convict us, encourage us, uh, in our walk with you. We want to be more like you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So 
there, if you have Facebook, uh, you're kind of familiar with this um, daily, really, or you know, a couple times a week. Uh, you might get a uh, a notification on your phone or on your computer uh, that brings up a memory uh, from that previous year on the same day. Uh, if you have, like I said, if you have a Facebook, you uh, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so this week, uh, I got a uh, a reminder of an event that happened a year ago uh, on that day. And so it was the reminder, it was a picture of Christina and I uh, at our very first interest party last August. And these interest parties were the way that we would recruit people to our church and cast vision and uh, sign up people to the launch team. And so I just remember that was our very, very first interest party that we did man we were so nervous uh we were just excited we were just that we had all these crazy emotions but there's a picture that popped up and it just brought back so many so many memories uh, and that was really the beginning of, of of our ministry that was really the beginning of our public ministry um you know just doing these interest parties and then building our launch team equipping our launch team and then we launched launching in january uh but that just brought back so many feelings but that was one of the first public things that we did were, were these interest parties. Now, if you would have told me that day, hey, Johnny, when you launch Restoration Church January 2020, uh, two months later, you're going to have to close down because of something called COVID. Uh, I would have thought that you were crazy. I would have probably thought that it's just hey, it's probably just a burrito you ate. Like you're crazy, you're weird. And I, I had a very, very different picture of what it was going to look like, what our ministry was going to look like in the very beginning. There's no way... Uh, that I would have ever pictured to have to, you know, close our, our physical building uh, because of this pandemic that went on. That, that, that was not the way that I was picturing uh, the beginning of the ministry that we started. Uh, I was picturing, you know, I, I was actually talking to Christina, like, man, I can't wait for Easter. It's going to be our first Easter. It's going to be super awesome. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, it was just not what I was thinking and it was just a weird way to uh to start our church um but honestly through all of this man there's god doesn't get things uh god god doesn't make mistakes you know god god uses the bad in our lives and turns it into good and so really i think this has been uh, a really bl a blessing and we might not see the full blessing until later down the road but god knows what he's doing but it was just definitely not the way that i pictured uh, us starting our ministry. And in the same way, Jesus, when he began his ministry, I mean, this is God himself, God in the flesh. Uh, this is the King, the Messiah, the anointed one. This is Christ Jesus. I mean, he started his ministry out in the wilderness, out in the water. He started his ministry being baptized out in the in the wilderness out in the water in the river jordan uh, by this john the baptist guy who wore some funny clothes and ate some bugs i mean the king of the universe starting his ministry that way uh you know normally a king someone of royalty uh you know god himself uh why would he start his ministry at the temple or somewhere publicly in front of the elite and and pharisees and the religious leaders of the day no 
that Jesus started his ministry out in the wilderness, in the water, being baptized by John. And after Jesus is baptized, what happens? Then he gets tempted in the wilderness by Satan. That's how Jesus starts his ministry, his public ministry. And that is not uh, a really normal right for a king, for someone of royalty to start their ministry. But that's how Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He started his ministry by being baptized by John the Baptist. And today, what I want to look at is Jesus' baptism. And there's so much significance and so much for our lives in these three verses. I think a lot of the times when we read the baptism of Christ, we just kind of pass over it. Uh, you know, a lot of times we don't really study it deeply and we're just, okay, Jesus got baptized. What's next? You know, putting our focus to the cross. But man, we miss so much that is in here for our lives. And my hope and my prayer is that you would spiritually be fed by the baptism of Christ because there's so much significance here uh, and implications for our lives. And so I want to point out three things in this passage and these three verses. First, if you're taking notes, here's what I want to point out, that Jesus identified with people. Jesus identified with people. That's the first thing I want to point out. Look in your Bibles here with me at verse 9. It says, in those days. So what days uh, is Mark talking about? Mark is talking about the days of John the Baptist, right? He's talking about the days where John was baptizing people, people were repenting, uh, people were uh, placing their faith in Christ, they're forgive they, they were receiving forgiveness of sins. You know, tons of people were coming out to uh, the Jordan to be baptized by John. And, and during this time, Jesus comes out to be baptized by John. Now, the text says here that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Uh, Jesus came from a town called Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, but he spent most of his time in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was an insignificant place. I mean, insignificant place. Uh, it was never mentioned in the Old Testament. It was never uh, mentioned by Josephus, which he was one of the, uh, the, the, actually, he was the greatest Jewish historian, never mentioned uh, by him at all. And it was despised by people because it was further away from Jerusalem. It was further away from the temple. There was a lot of Gentiles that lived there. So it was just, you know, uh, a really insignificant, uh, you know, no one cared about Nazareth or the people that came from Nazareth. Actually, in the book of John, in the Gospel of John, uh, John tells us that Jesus calls Philip, uh, hey, come come and follow me. And so Philip, what he does is he goes to Nathaniel and he says, hey, I think I finally met the Messiah, the one that, that Moses, the law and the Old Testament prophets uh, were prophesying about. I'm pretty sure he's the Messiah. He's the, the real deal. Uh, his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And then Nathaniel tells Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Like, what do you mean that the Messiah, the King, the one who's going to save, save, his, save Israel and save all people, save, uh, bring salvation to this world is going to come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? In, in other words, uh, Jesus was a nobody from nowhere up to this point. 
Now, look at the text. It says that Jesus, in those days, he says that uh, he came from from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the Jordan. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? If John the Baptist was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins— Why would Jesus then need to get baptized if Jesus never sinned? Why would he do that? I mean, we know that Jesus never sinned, right? The the text tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So why then? If Jesus never sinned, why did he get baptized by John? I think there's two key texts that really help us understand this. Understand this. The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, speaking about Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So by being baptized, Jesus identifies with sinners. By being baptized uh, by John the Baptist in this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, uh, Jesus associated himself uh, with sinful humanity. He was regarded as a sinner. He was treated as a sinner. And so he identifies with sinful humanity uh, in order uh, for, for Jesus to obtain righteousness for a sinful humanity. In other words, Jesus identifies through baptism with sinners so that he can save sinners. The other text that's very helpful to us is Matthew chapter 3, verse 15. But Jesus answered, and this is uh, the account of Jesus' baptism in Matthew. Uh, But Jesus answered, uh, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. So, uh, Jesus goes to John and says, hey, I need to get baptized by you. John's like, what? What's going on, Jesus? You know, you know, shouldn't you baptize me? And Jesus says, no, you need to baptize me so we can fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? It means this. It means that Jesus not only had to die for our sins, but he had to live as well. You see, Jesus had to live the perfect and righteous life that we couldn't live. And he had to perfectly obey the law of God. Jesus had to be sinless and perfect in obedience, in righteousness, so that we sinners can then go and place our faith in Christ and exchange our sin— Because we couldn't keep the whole law. We couldn't keep the whole commandments. We couldn't obey God perfectly. So then we give our sin 
to Christ and transfer our sin to Christ on the cross. And in return, because Jesus fulfilled all righteousness and he fulfilled the law perfectly, something we couldn't do, he then transfers his righteousness to us. He credits our account. It is credited to us so that we can have a righteousness, not of our own, but a righteousness that comes from God so that on the day of judgment, uh, the Father looks at us. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sinfulness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. That is why Jesus gets baptized by John, to identify with sinners, to save sinners, so that we can exchange our sin for his righteousness. Uh, There's this show, and I'm pretty sure you, you might be familiar with it if you watch TV. It's a show called Undercover Boss. And in this show, you have usually this kind of CEO uh, uh, higher up. Uh, He wants to kind of know really how his company is going, especially those entry-level positions. And so what happens is this CEO, he he goes undercover, right? He dresses up and he puts a wig and he becomes like a normal employee. He infiltrates his company and he gets to know people and he gets to, to work with people. He gets the, he, you know, he does those jobs like cleaning toilets or he does a lot of the the dirty work, those entry-level jobs sometimes that nobody wants to do or whatever, and uh, or that a CEO wouldn't do. Uh, and so he's just like, holy cow, like this is a lot of work. Like I didn't realize how much work this was, but but he he begins to identify and relate to people and understand uh, the people in those jobs. Uh, and then after like you know some time, like a week or so, uh, at the very end of the show, what happens? Uh, the CEO he reveals himself and he says. Hey, I'm really not so and so. You thought I was just a, a normal worker, uh, but really, I'm the CEO of the company. And everyone's just like super shocked, like, "Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it!" And uh, especially sometimes they say some bad things about the CEO. Um, but re- the really cool part is when the CEO uh, really um, uh, realizes the hard work of his employees. That man, they're so vital, they're so important, and then he blesses them. Uh, in, in so many ways, the, the CEO blesses his employees in, with so many ways and so many in so many and so many things. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they they get raises or promotions, or they get uh, you know tuition paid for for school or a free family vacation or some kind some kind of blessing that they get. And that, that's just a, a a good example of what Jesus does. Jesus infiltrates sinful humanity. He infiltrates a a, a sinful world to identify with sinners, to associate himself with sinners so that he can then bless them. And what's the greatest blessing? Salvation. Forgiveness of sin. Salvation. Eternal life in Christ Jesus. So my question for you today is, have you exchanged your sin? For his righteousness? Have you exchanged your sin for his righteousness? Have you been trying to to produce a righteousness of your own? Have you been trying to earn your own salvation? Have you been trying to, uh, to earn your way to God or your own way to heaven, doing it with your strength, with your power, with your energy? 
Have you been trying to be righteous on your own? I believe that trying to earn your own salvation or trying to earn your own righteousness is like going up to the last floor of the Empire State Building using the stairs when you could have used the elevator only to reach the last floor and the door is closed. It's useless. It's impossible for us to earn our own salvation, our own favor with God our own righteousness. And how do we obtain this righteousness? How do we obtain this favor? How do we obtain this salvation? It was John the Baptist's message. Repent for the forgiveness of sins. Repent. Uh, Repent and believe in Christ. Uh, Repent means to turn away from your sin and towards Christ. A believe means to place your faith in Christ, in the work of Christ, that he earned uh, your salvation, that you couldn't earn it, that I didn't earn it, that he died for sinners, that he identified with you and I to save us. And that if we repent and place our faith in him, we would receive his righteousness in exchange for our sin. Repent and believe. How do I know I've repented? Maybe you've asked yourself, how do I know if I've truly repented? I mean, this is a great question. I believe that the way, one of the first ways that you know you truly repented and believed is that the the, the hate, the it's to hate the sin that you once loved uh, and to pursue the God that you once ignored. Do you currently hate the sin that you once loved? And do you currently pursue the God you once ignore? That's one way. That's one uh, small um, uh, uh, first evidence that we've truly repented and believe that we've truly been saved. Second is, man, our life is going to show it. Are you producing works? We're not saved by works, but we are saved for good works. Does your life show evidence of your repentance and your salvation? And I encourage you today, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, if you've never repented and believed in Christ, man, he wants to save you. He loves you. He cares for you. He came down, identified with you and I to save you. The second thing that we see here, and I really think this is the point of the passage here is this. Not only does Jesus identify with uh, with people and with sinners, he Jesus receives power here. Jesus receives power. Look at look at the text here. Uh, it says this, that, that when Jesus was baptized, uh, he came up out of the water and immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Like what is going on here in this verse? Well, first notice this, that Mark tells us that the heavens were being torn open. And Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, was the first one to speak about the heavens being torn open. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, it says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. The word torn here means to divide by the use of force here. Uh, And the opening of 
of the heavens is significant because God stopped speaking to his people. We talked about this last week through his spirit. And so the tearing of the heavens, the tearing of the heavens really signified or inaugurated God speaking to his people through the Holy Spirit. That's what it meant. And so God, now with the heavens torn, he's speaking to his people. Jesus is inaugurating his ministry through uh, the Holy Spirit. Then the text says that the Spirit was descending on Jesus like a dove. Uh, This word on can also be translated in or into. So the Holy Spirit uh, descended into Christ to empower him for ministry. Now think about that for a second. That's that's very interesting. Uh, The Holy Spirit completely filled Christ, equipped him, empowered him to begin his ministry. Luke chapter 4 gives us a different side of the baptism. It says this, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, it says, And Jesus, full of the Spirit, speaking of his baptism, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. That's when he got tempted. But it says that Jesus was full of the Spirit. He was filled with the power of the Spirit. And after Jesus is baptized and then he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness, Jesus officially begins his ministry. He went back to Nazareth where he grew up. And and this is what happens. He enters a synagogue and he started reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And he read this passage. It says this, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set a liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Think about that for just one second, that the Spirit of God was upon and in Christ empowered him for ministry. Think about that. Jesus' powerful ministry that we see throughout the Gospels was a ministry that he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. So how much more uh, do we need to be completely dependent on the power of the Spirit to minister to others? Because we were all called to minister. Uh, You don't need to have the title pastor or the job pastor or whatever it is to be a minister. We are all ministers of Christ. And so we are called then to to minister and to serve and to live out our faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus lived that way and if Jesus did ministry that way, how much more do we need to do ministry that way as well? If anything... Being filled with the Spirit or being full of the Spirit uh, is a command for believers. It is not an option. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. That is a command to be full of the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. The early church 
uh, after uh, Christ ascended back to heaven after his resurrection and the spirit poured out upon people and people were the early church was was living in the spirit they were uh they were a, a, a people that were known by by living uh filled with the spirit and full with the spirit let me just give you some examples Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is prior to Jesus leaving, but his promise to us today still. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 4, verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, and he goes on to preach the sermon. Acts chapter 6, verse 3, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom. Acts chapter 13, verse 9, but Saul, or Paul, uh, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So even our joy is, is tied up to us being filled with the Holy Spirit, not even our effectiveness for ministry. It's also our joy and even our hope. Romans chapter 15, uh, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So our effectiveness for ministry, even our joy and hope that's tied into that, man, that is to be done in the power of the Spirit as we are filled by the Spirit, as we are dependent on the Spirit. Man, God's work can never be done without God's Spirit. God's work can never be done without God's Spirit. There's a a story that I came across this week of a missionary, uh, Dr. Herbert Jackson. And he was a missionary, and he was gifted this car. Uh, And so he started using this car, but there was a big, big problem. This car wouldn't start. He would have to get the, the kids of the local village to get behind the car, and they would push him until the car started. Uh, When he would arrive to a certain place, if it was a very short visit, he wouldn't turn off the car. He would just kind of leave it running. Or he would always try to park on a hill, uh, on the top of the hill, so he could kind of, you know, gain some speed going down and the car would start. And he would, he did this for two years. Uh, Dr. Herbert Jackson did this for two years. Man, what a pain it must be have been uh two years later two two years into you know uh using this car like this he actually got really sick he had to move uh to a different town Uh, but they sent in this young missionary and so dr jackson was you know saying hey uh this is how you use the car uh it doesn't start unless it gets kind of a push and and he was just explaining to to this young missionary all of these things how the car worked uh and so the young missionary he popped open the hood uh he was kind of inspecting Uh, And then he saw some cables that were not connected. He ended up connecting the cables and started the car just like that. And Dr. Jackson was astonished. He was like, oh, my goodness, I've been doing this wrong the entire time. So for two years, Dr. Jackson uh, had used his own devices and in his own ways uh, to start this car. You see, the power to start the car was there all the time. It only needed to be connected. The power to start the car was there all the time. 
It just needed to be connected. The power of the Holy Spirit, if you are a believer, if you are in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Question is, are you connected? The question is, are you filled? The question is, are you letting the Holy Spirit empower your life and your ministry? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You see, we all experience the Holy Spirit the same at salvation. We are all born again, made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. We were once dead. The Holy Spirit enters us. We are alive now in Christ through the work of the Spirit, we all experience Him the same in that way. However, we don't all experience Him the same way after that, in in our sanctification, meaning in the way that we are growing like Christ. We We don't all experience Him the same in our daily lives. Some of us are less filled with the Spirit. Some of us are more filled with the Spirit. We're not all equally filled with the Spirit. I mean, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like you lacked spiritual power in your life? Have you ever felt that way? Like, man, there's just, I'm missing some oomph. I'm missing some power. You know, I'm missing something when I pray or when I share the gospel. Like, I just don't feel effective. Like, there's something missing, some power missing. I would, I would probably say that it might be just a feeling of, the Spirit, your dependence on the Spirit in your life. And man, do we need to be filled by the power of the Spirit when we share the gospel, when we preach the gospel, when we pray for others? Man, don't we need the power of the Spirit when we parent our kids? Don't we need the power of the Spirit when we love our neighbor or love our enemy? Don't we need the power of the Spirit uh, when We are uh, trying to love our spouses and trying to be the best spouse that we can. Man, we just need the power of the Spirit for every area of our lives. So maybe you're thinking, how can I be filled with the Spirit? How can I be filled with the Spirit? Number one, you got to feed the Spirit. You got to feed the Spirit. You're either feeding the Spirit daily or you're feeding your flesh. And the one you feed the most wins. You're either feeding the Spirit and you're, or you're feeding the flesh and the one you feed the most wins. Uh, we had this series the entire summer on spiritual disciplines. That's why we did it, uh, to help you, man, just uh, grow in godliness and grow in spiritual power and effectiveness for life and for ministry. So s- practice those uh, spiritual disciplines. Feed the Spirit with those spiritual disciplines. But the second thing is this, man, you got to yield to the Spirit. You got to yield to the Spirit. What I mean by that is you got to surrender to the Spirit. When the Spirit speaks to you and talks to you and it's trying to guide you, man, you got to surrender. When when the flesh is trying to pull you this way and the Spirit's trying to pull you this way, you got to go where the Spirit leads in obedience. I mean, that's you got to yield to the Spirit. So you're called to minister, church to minister in the power of the Spirit. Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do nothing. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. We cannot do effective ministry. We cannot lead effective and powerful, Spirit-filled lives without the Spirit. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 
says this. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. This is when he was trying to um, to rebuild the temple. He says, not, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Think about that. Not by might, not by our own strength, not by power, not by our own abilities and talents and and i'm going to muster enough courage and strength he says not that's not how we do ministry and overcome things it is by my spirit says the lord number one you know we jesus identifies with sinners number two jesus receives power and number three jesus receives praise here in his baptism look at verse 11 and a voice came from heaven it says you are my beloved son with you i am well pleased just i want to take a quick theology moment just for a second if you took our course uh, on the trinity this passage should start ringing you know some bells here uh, don't you see i mean can you see here uh the trinity uh in this passage uh, you have Jesus being baptized, right, in the water by John. You have the Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove, and you hear a voice from heaven, and that's the Father. So in this passage, man, it's just a good uh, text to really see all three members of the Trinity in one passage. But anyway, uh, Jesus receives praise from the Father. Look, Notice this. He says, you are my beloved Son, you are my beloved son. Uh, this is a quotation from Psalm verse two, uh, chapter two, verse seven. It says, I will tell you of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. The Psalm looks back to a promise God made to David and to his lineage, um, and which really culminated in Christ the King. And so in the context, it describes a close bond between the divine king and the earthly king. But in our context, and the way it's used here, it's a really close bond between God the Father and God the Son. Also, when Mark uses the word beloved, it could be an allusion to uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, uh, where Abraham is commanded to offer uh, his one and only son Isaac to be sacrificed. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2 says this, Take your son, your one and only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering one of those on one of those mountains of which I shall tell you. It's the son his, that he loved, it's his beloved son that he's going to sacrifice. And so Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his beloved son is comparable to God offering his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And at the very end says, with you, I am well pleased. This phrase echoes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nation. 
the father is pleased with the son. He is pleased with Jesus identifying himself with sinners. He is pleased with Jesus being dependent on the Spirit's power for effective ministry. The father is pleased with the son who is obedient and obedient to the point of death and death on a cross. The father is pleased at the son's commitment to humble himself and be a humble savior to atone for the sins of the world. Jesus is pleased. Man, growing up, uh, I have a younger brother. He's four years younger than me. And, uh, and growing up, uh, my parents were very pleased with my brother. Uh, and when it came to me, I caused uh, not a lot of pleasure to my parents, but a lot of pain. Man, I was, whew, I was a hand full. Like I was just a handful kid when I grew up. Uh, I remember one time um, my mom, uh, she came to the school and I didn't know she was there. I think I was in like third grade. I don't know. Uh, But she came to school unannounced and uh, all the kids were sitting in their chairs and having a great old time. And uh, I was under the desk running around crawling and my teacher was at her desk crying whoever you are, I don't even remember your name, but I'm so sorry. I just apologize. Uh, and so I was running around and under the desk and messing around. And my mom was watching me through the, the, the glass on the, on the, on the classroom door. But man, just things like that as a kid, I would just bring a lot of pain to my parents. I'm sorry. Uh, but man, my parents were, yeah, they were not pleased with me. Um, but they displayed so much grace and patience and love and mercy through all of this uh, forgiveness. Uh, but man, I was a pain when I was a kid. I was a pain. Uh, and that's the same thing with God. Uh, you see, God takes pleasure in his kids, but he doesn't take pleasure in his kids equally. He is not pleased with all of his children equally. He's not. And so my question for you is this. Are you living a life that is pleasing to God? Are you living a life that emulates the life of Christ? Are you pleasing to God? The Father's pleased with those who love Him, with those who love others, with those who serve Him in a service church. God is pleased with doers and workers and people who are going to be on the mission with Him. God the Father is pleased with with his children who reflect him to a a lost and hurting and broken world. The Father is pleased with servants. Uh, The Father is pleased with those those children who are willing to die to themselves daily and live for God's mission and God's mission alone to follow Christ. Are you pleasing to God? Church, I encourage you to let this message soak in in the baptism of Jesus. It's not just something that we pass over. Man, there's so much significance for our lives that we are to live a life pleasing to God as we reflect uh, and emulate and, and become more like Christ as he was pleasing to the Father. So we should be pleasing to the Father as well. As, the, as Jesus um, uh, was filled with the Spirit and ministered in, in fullness of the Spirit, man, we should be filled with the Spirit, full of the Spirit, and, and be empowered by the Spirit as we go out and minister to people and love people and do life. And man, like Jesus identified with us sinners. Why? So that we could repent, believe in Him, exchange our sin for his righteousness. And so I just want to encourage you, 
But if you've never repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, today is the day. And I want to pray for you. And as I do that, uh, man, right where you are, just pray this with me. Uh, The prayer itself doesn't save you. It's you yourself having this genuine repentance uh, and faith in in the work of Christ uh, to receive forgiveness of your sins, to put your sins on the cross and receive his righteousness and forgiveness and eternal life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for baptism of Christ, it has so much meaning to our life. We want to be people who are pleasing to you. We want to be people who are living in the power of the Spirit and doing your work in your ways. And God, I pray if there's anyone here or anyone listening to this message uh, that has never placed their faith in you, that has never repented, or that has thought they've repented and truly haven't, uh, haven't, um, uh, don't have evidence of a life of true salvation and true repentance, I pray that you would change their hearts, transform their hearts from the inside out. They would realize, God, that they've repented, that they've messed up, that they have sinned against a holy and perfect and righteous God. And today, they place their faith in you, Jesus, uh, because you identified with them. You saved them from sin. Uh, You saved them from eternal judgment. And now their hope and their faith is in you, that you earned their salvation, that they can't earn their salvation on their own. God, I pray that you would work in their heart, that they would turn over to you, that they would turn away from their sin and towards you and place their faith and their hope and their trust and all of their being under you and towards you. God, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.